Hello and welcome to Thoughts on the Hoops with me, Laura Bradburn. It's great to be back on another Friday. Uh, some of you may have seen, if you looked in the community tab on the YouTube channel, that uh, this is not a live broadcast tonight. Um, I am otherwise engaged, but I thought I have to deliver because I've said I'll deliver. So I'm here to talk Celtic with you all and give you a place to chat Celtic. Um, this is a premiere video on YouTube, so that means there will still be a live chat down below. If you are watching it during that premiere period, then you can still chat away to everybody the way we normally do on a Friday night, and I'll be definitely make sure to catch up on that um, when I am back in action. But otherwise, um, if you're listening on audio, if you're watching afterwards, do all that good stuff and subscribe, like the video, um, or or give me a rating on your your preferred podcast pla- podcast platform. That would be great. Um, here to talk a lot about Celtic today. We've got a few things to discuss. There's been a lot of rumours going on in the transfer market, not a lot of activity, unfortunately. Uh, we covered the signing of Nicholas Kuhn last week, yet to see him in a Celtic shirt. But um, we've got plenty of um, time to to see him come to, come to fruition in a Celtic shirt. Um, the rumours and the activity for Celtic have been more based around... Um, the potential outgoings, Leah Labada and um, Matt O'Reilly focusing or, or being the focus of most of those rumours. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that um, and then we will look at some of what um, the managers had to say in the in the press that suggests that maybe the activity we would all like to see um, is not going to happen, um, unfortunately. Um, and, and we'll see where we're at obviously with the return to league action of the team at the weekend at home to Ross County, uh, where where we left off in the league before the winter break and where that leaves us going forward. So first up, I wanted to start on a bit of a light-hearted note. Um, the manager was uh, questioned following the Bucky Thistle match, which obviously we won 5-0, um, putting the... The Highland side out of the Scottish Cup. Uh, a great occasion for, for them, obviously. Um, a good occasion for us to get back up and running after the winter break. But there was a quite humorous incident. I say humorous. Um, one of the Bucky Thistle players... Um, or sorry, one of the... Leela Bada got fouled in the box by one of the Bucky Thistle players... And there were appeals for a penalty and it went to VAR and, and we all know how that goes. But the strange thing about it was that prior to the foul, as he was an awful lot during that game, Leo Labada was actually offside. Um, and so, naturally, as as you would think, it shouldn't really have gone to VAR because he was offside before the foul was made. And But... Brendan Rodgers, when I say he doesn't miss, he doesn't miss. So I wanted to break down uh, his his reaction to um, that whole incident because, as I'm sure you're aware, there was some uh, some parallels with a, a recent incident involving uh, a, a certain club across the city. So I'll just pull it up here. This is Brendan talking about it in the immediate aftermath of the game and I'll just play it out. Um, before we we talk about it, I think the frustration that the one was the, the the penalty one that was that was looked at. It should be looked at. It's offside. 
you know, but they had to for some reason, as maybe as protocol according to the fourth official, they, they have to look to see if it's a penalty first before they look to to disallow it because it's offside, which just seems ridiculous, really. You, you, you know, if it's offside, then the penalty doesn't even matter, as we know. As we know, as we know. I mean, obviously, what Brendan's alluding to there is a, is an incident involving Rangers uh, on the match on the 30th of December where uh, Alistair Johnson clearly handballed the ball. Rangers appealed for the penalty, wasn't given, but as it would later be go on to be proven, the Rangers forward who was involved in that was actually offside, so it would never have come to a penalty anyway. It then sparked the meltdown we're all aware of from Rangers uh, looking for full transparency and investigations and this, that and the next thing from from the SFA. And what I love about what Brendan Rodgers did there was he kind of fully explained his position and the the logic of it uh, and fully sort of outlined why any decision other than to not give the penalty would have been ridiculous but he didn't apply it until the Rangers situation until the very last moment and just a little smirk a little smirk just gave away exactly what he was thinking which I thought was absolutely brilliant Um, the other thing as well of course is it would have been very easy for him to come out and say that because the situation was reversed and it was us looking for a penalty rather than us looking to avoid the penalty, you know, that his, his opinion might have flip-flopped on it or whatever. What's what's great about it is, is he's able to um, sort of avoid avoid looking like a hypocrite because um, because he's not a hypocrite, basically. He's, he's, he's avoided looking like somebody who changes with the wind in terms of what their their preference is by what the referee does and things like that. And and he's made sure that people are aware that regardless of what he says, regardless of what he thinks, um, the correct decision is the correct decision, whether it goes for Celtic or against Celtic. I thought it was absolutely genius, to be honest. Let me know in the comments um, what you think of it. But I just thought it was a great wee way to start things with a little bit of a a Brendan smirk because you can say a lot about Brendan and he does have a lot to say for himself but he's an intelligent guy and he he, he just waited, bided his time because he knew this situation would come up and it did and thankfully it came up in relatively short order in comparison to the other event where it was still fresh in people's minds and he was able to say, listen, fair's fair and and I really like the fact that he did that. It was, it was really... Um, it really went on to show the kind of the character of the man, which I, <laughs> I really enjoyed. Um, let me know what you thought about that. Let me know what you thought about the Bucky Thistle match in the comments um, or uh, on Twitter. You can follow me at Cadet Skirrell. Um, I'd really like to engage with you uh, on what you thought of, of that whole exchange because it really was one of my favourite moments or favourite press conference moments of the season so far, which is it's not something that you have many favourite moments of, but it was quite quite good. Um, next up, I want to discuss Matt O'Reilly. Now, as we know, Matt was subject to what we believe was an offer from Atletico Madrid earlier this week. Uh, they were 
um, supposedly structuring the deal as a loan to buy, um, which I saw a lot of engagement online. I mean, I, I had yet another one of these tweets that just seemed to take off for no reason um, in relation to it, which we'll talk about in a, about, about in a minute. But the first thing I wanted to say about it was there was a lot of people talking about, well, why would we give away one of our best players as a loan deal? Why would we, you know, if you want to buy him, buy him um, and all that kind of thing. I think, I think if anybody who watches a lot of football and is involved in a lot of football chat and, and, and gets to know football all over Europe, you'll know that this loan-to-buy thing is much more the way of things as far as um, transfers go nowadays and FFP and all that kind of thing. And the thing as well is it was a loan with an obligation to buy. It wasn't an option to buy. It was an obligation to buy. So regardless of whether he'd been loaned for six months and then left in the summer or whether he had been bought now, the money was going to come to us within a six-month time frame anyway, regardless of how the deal was structured. So I just wanted to give my thoughts on that because I thought a lot of people were saying, well, why would we loan him? And obviously, you know, loans are meant to be for out-of-favour players going to lower-profile clubs. It would look on the face of it, very silly for us to do it in the opposite direction. But I think this word obligation passed a lot of people by and it's an obligation to buy, meaning it essentially was a it was a transfer, just we weren't getting the money for another six months or so or whatever. Um, but I, I tweeted about it and I sort of said, this is before the outcome of those discussions, which we're going to talk about. I tweeted a little bit to say um, that I... I felt a little bit like some of the reaction of supporters online was, you know, absolutely not. We need to win this league and we need them for this league. And and, and listen, first point is Matt O'Reilly has been absolutely outstanding for us this season. Probably our best player. Um, I, I get and I understand that it would be very difficult for us to win the match to win the league without Matt O'Reilly and the team. I get that. But I don't think it would be beyond us by any stretch of the imagination. I think I think he's vital to what we do, but I would hope that in his absence, an, an Odin Thiago home or a Rio Hatati coming back from injury or a or, or, or Paolo Bernardo would really step up to the mark and become a replacement for him that they maybe aren't at the moment because he is so so far ahead of, of all of them. So I don't think it would be the end of the world if we lost him. But I do think, I do think that he is still one of our best players, if not our best player this season. So I get that. But the other thing as well is, and I said this in the tweet that kind of took off. I do think sometimes, and I get this is the nature of football fans, but I do think sometimes we forget where our place is in the football and pyramid. And by that I mean, you can't. It's the same with Postecoglou and Tottenham, really. You, you, you want to think that a player or a manager has some sort of loyalty to Celtic that has a they have a loyalty to Celtic that is matched um along with the loyalty that us as supporters have. And the truth of the matter is that's just not the case. The, these players only come to us because of what we can offer them. Um and very often what we can offer them is a platform to a bigger stage in a bigger league that's the very reason we're able, we're able to get a lot of the players we're able to get so when that offer comes along 
I'm of the opinion that as long as we are financially rewarded appropriately for having brought that player to the attention of the club that wants them, then we can't really do much when the, the club does come along. Matt O'Reilly's, you know, quite right to be interested or excited by a move to, to a club like Atletico Madrid who are regularly in the Champions League, have featured in Champions League finals within the last decade, are constantly challenging for La Liga, have a manager that, although I don't personally like him, is considered to be one of the best managers in the world in, 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 in Diego Simeone. So there's plenty of reason why you can see the temptation for, for somebody like Matt O'Reilly to go to, um, to Atletico Madrid. And that was the only point I was really making. Um, thankfully, though, as we're, we're going to talk about, uh, Matt O'Reilly is is going nowhere, according to boss Brendan Rodgers. So I will bring that up, and we'll just see it. This is a this is an article in um, the MK Citizen, which at first I was like, that's a bit of a strange um, sort of source. But I obviously forgot about Matt's history with MK Dons, and so they obviously take a little bit of interest in what he continues to do. So, um, but as he said here, Celtic boss Brendan Rodgers has insisted former MK Dons midfielder Matt O'Reilly will not be sold during the transfer window. Um, except the cookies, except the cookies, geez. Just let me read the article. Um, so he's insisted he won't be sold. Speculation has been mounting about interest from Atletico Madrid, and let's not forget there was also interest from um, Inter Milan. Um, so that's all to that's all to be considered. Um, the manager goes on to say there was an offer, but Matt is a player we don't want to lose, and he won't be going anywhere in January. Roger said it's a great testament to him and what the club can do for a player. He won his first international cap this season, and Atletico. Mag- Madrid are in a big club in European football but he's very much part of what we are doing he's been a joy to work with and had a good chat with Matt on Thursday morning and he's someone who will be here for the second part of the season now there's a few things to take out of that first one obviously is that Brendan Rodgers as I just said about Celtic offering opportunities to these players Brendan Rodgers mentioned it there himself it's a good what was it he said? Um, it's a good indication of what the club can do for the player, which it is. You know, with all due respect to MK Dons, Matt O'Reilly's not going to get on Atletico Madrid's radar playing for MK Dons, but he is going to get on their radar if we're in the Champions League, and even more specifically if we come up against them in the Champions League. So, so that is that's down to Celtic that that happened. But he also said, um, he said been a joy to work with and, and all that kind of thing he's someone who will be with us for the second part of the season Brendan Rodgers doesn't choose his words without a very deliberate act in choosing those words he has said the second part of the season there for a reason and that reason is uh I don't think Matt O'Reilly will be with us come summertime um I, I think he will move on and I think he will um probably get a move in in the sort of region of going to somebody like Atletico Madrid, Inter Milan, or maybe a, a top-end Premier League team, whichever whichever one you want to consider. Um, but I think I think what Celtic have showed here is, and a lot of people were, were saying this in response to my tweet about the situation, Celtic have shown that they're not there to be completely and utterly um, sort of walked all over. Atletico Madrid probably could come in and offer 
a significant enough amount of money that um, that the Celtic board, as we all know, money comes first for them in, in the majority of situations. They they could come forward and say, listen, they've offered money that we really can't turn down and, and, and that just needs to be the way of it. But Celtic have put the interests of the club first. They've recognised that in order for us to to win a league, we need um, Matt O'Reilly because he's one of our best players. And they have said, not no, you can't go because you've just signed a five-year contract or a four-year contract, whatever it was. They have said, by the sounds of it to me, they've said, you can go. and We will listen to offers for you in the summer or listen to offers for you that ensure you can move in the summer, but you need to give us six extra months, which... I think, personally, is a fair way to do it, and I think Matt O'Reilly seems like the type of player who would go along with that. And it's probably just an indication as well to clubs looking at our players that you know you can't you can't just come in and swipe people away in the middle of the season. Now, I know we've done that to other clubs, but um, but that doesn't mean that we're not with well within our rights to stand our ground, and I think we've done it really really well there so I'm glad to see it um, thanks very much everybody for watching, thanks everybody so much for subscribing, if you haven't subscribed there's a significant percentage of people I think about 40% of the people who've watched my videos don't actually subscribe to the channel so if you take the chance to do that on YouTube or to follow on your favourite podcast app it means you'll be notified whenever um, any podcast or video goes live um, and you can you can watch and get involved in the comments of those, and I really appreciate it. Thanks very much to everybody for the support of the podcast so far. It's still early days, but but I'm really enjoying it, and I and I hope you are as well. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about. We've talked about transfers. We've talked about possible outgoing transfers. The incoming transfers, even the rumours of incoming transfers, have completely dried up. My suspicion is that beyond maybe a loan signing or two between now and the end of January, I don't see us doing a lot of business at all, if anything. And it is frustrating. It is really frustrating because Brendan Rodgers certainly gave the impression when he came back to the club that he was here to push us to another level. And I would have thought that there would have been promises made to him within that decision to return that... um that the funds would have been made available and the effort would have been made available for him to, to, to get players in to take us to that next level. And that doesn't appear to have happened as yet. What concerns me even more is that when he specifies um, before the transfer window opens that he's looking to bring any number of players in, he said specifically four, but when you specify whatever number it is, you can't help then but compare what's actually happened to the number that he mentioned. Now it could have been he could have said three players, he could have said four players, he could have said ten players. My point being, we've brought in one player so far, and he said he wanted four. I would have thought mentioning the number that he did, he would have had an idea of the players he wanted to bring in. And I think he did have an idea of the players he wanted to bring in. The fact that none of them are here is a failing on one of two things or both. Either it's a failure of the board to keep a promise that they they were willing to 
back him and fund this uh, this push onto the next level. Um, or there's been poor work at play from the recruitment department, i.e. they've not been able to get over the line some of the uh, sign-ins that Brendan's maybe outlined that he wanted, either players that he's identified or players that they've identified to him that they then haven't been able to close the deal on. Whatever it is, there appears to have been a failure there um, on one, if not multiple sides, and that is a concern. What's even more a concern is when you look at what he's now saying, um, because I'm sure he wouldn't have wanted to do this, but it does appear that his tune is changing slightly, because if you look here, this is from Seltzer here, another fantastic... Um, uh, fan media outlet for Celtic who I really enjoy reading the content from and it says Brendan Rodgers emphasises long term planning and academy focus at Celtic now when you switch from saying you want to bring a certain number of players in and then towards the end of the window start talking about academy focus that is concerning because that means that he's gone from mentioning signings which haven't happened to mention an academy integration, which he never mentioned previously. So it means either he was thinking about this all along and just never vocalised it, or there's been a significant enough change in circumstances that he's now having to think about the fact that he's going to have to rely on academy players because he's not going to get the sign-ins he wants. So he says... um. I want to be here for a period of time, so as long as, of course, I'm successful, I want to also create an opportunity for young players to come through here. You know, everyone talks about signings and bringing people in, and I always say you might have someone within your academy, but you need to have the space for those players to flourish and develop. Now, that's all very well and good to say, and I think it is, I think it is um, a fair point to make. But he's had players in the B team and he's had players in the youth academy throughout his time at Celtic, both when he was here the first time and he was here the second time, and he doesn't appear to have given any of those a chance up until now. So my suspicion is that yes, it's a sound um, it's a sound uh, point to make, but my concern is that he's being forced to make that point purely because he now knows that it might be his only option. Which is disappointing to say the least. If if he was the type of manager that that always, you know, blooded youth and brought them into the squad and, and that was the way that he worked, I wouldn't be as alarmed by what he's saying as I am. But the fact that he's never appeared to be that type of manager and is now saying so makes me wonder wonder whether he's be feeling forced into a corner. And as we know with Brendan when that starts to happen, you have to wonder about his his you know potential future at the club. Uh, I I wouldn't like to think that it's going to lead to anything particularly serious on that front, but you do have to wonder because I mean <laughs> the thing that the thing that made me laugh about this whole thing <laughs> is Celtic on Twitter put up a poll uh, detailing. Are, are asking people to vote 
who you would like to be in the new header because they had created a new banner header thing for their Twitter account where they put a picture and it had been a picture of Nicholas Kuhn since he signed and they were talking about refreshing it because obviously a new signing one only stays up for a certain amount of time because they don't stay a new signing for very long and one of the options that they had in the vote was Daniel Kelly and Rocco Vata celebrating after Bucky Thistle and I just looked at that and I thought that's is that them trying to create and is that them trying to write a narrative that oh we're going to be a club that gives players a young players a chance when actually they've shown no evidence of it. I mean Rocco Vata they're now talking about Rocco Vata getting a new contract when a couple of months ago he was apparently doing everything he could to find a way out of the club and was being linked with big Premier League clubs and moves to Italy and all that kind of stuff and we're talking a matter of weeks since those those discussions were had so. It kind of seems like, you know, a strategy is not a strategy if it keeps changing. A strategy is a strategy if you stick to it long term and you try and achieve it. Celtic at the moment seem to be floundering between wanting to, or, or the manager wanting to bring in players and develop um, this this squad that is going to be a level above what he's ever produced with Celtic before and then swinging completely in the other direction and saying we need to make use of these young players I would love nothing more than for young players at Celtic to become you know (coughs) the mainstay of, of what we do but the fact of the matter is it's very rare and it's never been something that's been a a priority for for many Celtic managers before so I just wonder where where we leave ourselves with it. Let me know what you think in the comments, though. I mean, uh, or or on Twitter, as I said, that cadets girl. I want to know what you think about this strategy. I I think there's two separate considerations to make here. You can be you can be in my position, which is I would love to see youth given a chance, and I would love to see youth be successful, but I don't know how likely it is. Or you can be the type of person that says, no, they get. They get enough training with the club and all that kind of thing. But, you know, Celtic's first team is for continually winning and we need to prioritise that. And these players can get training from us and go and build their career elsewhere. There's a couple of different ways to look at it, but I'd be interested to know your thoughts on on what those are. Um, Thanks again, everybody, for watching. Thanks for subscribing if you have. If you haven't, Click the, click the subscribe button and don't forget to click that little bell next to it because you will get um, notified when we get any videos go live. If you can as well, click the wee thumbs up like button um, because that will help us get further and get recommended to people on YouTube. Five star reviews in the podcast apps do the same. Um, Going to be a bit of a shorter show today for obvious reasons. I've not got the, the live audience to interact with. I'm not interviewing somebody so it's a bit difficult to go on talking for quite as long a period of time without any any feedback so it's probably going to be a shorter show today but I wanted to close out the show talking a little bit about just getting up to speed with where we're at um, uh, in terms of of the league um, because it's been since before the the winter break that that we actually have been in league action um St Mirren was the last game we played, I believe. Um, but we are back in league action against Ross County at the weekend. 
uh, home game at Celtic Park and we are uh, looking to just keep going because as we know our form was um our form was improving all the time before Christmas and I think that's been uh, vital for us um but this is where we're at at the moment we are currently sitting uh top of the league five points ahead of Rangers after their win against Hibs in the middle of the week um, they do still have another game in hand on us, so theoretically, if they do win their game in hand, it will only be a two-point lead, which we all know is, is something we need to keep an eye on. Um, but we are playing Ross County, who are 11th, um, have only 18 points out of 19 games this season. So a home game against Ross County is not something that should challenge us greatly, but it is something that we need to um, be careful of because... <sighs> There's a there's a concern that you know maybe the maybe the the game against Bucky Thistle as good as it was is going to you know we're going to be maybe a little bit complacent or, or or something like that and but Ross County are not doing well under their new manager that's for sure and and, and you know we have to try and sort of assert our dominance as far as that's concerned um. I think as far as the league is concerned, um, I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, we need to win. We need to win the league and, and the, the Champions League is money can't be gambled with. And I understand that completely, I do. But I think there's a danger that you think too far ahead when you're talking like that. You think too far into the future and about what the consequences could be of, of winning or losing the league. Now, the consequences are potentially going to be catastrophic for us if we don't win the league this season because of the restructure of the Champions League from next season. It's not going to be as easy for whoever out of Celtic Rangers don't get in this year to get in next year because the £60 million that could come in from the Champions League next year could allow either one of the successful teams to really um, pull away. I say that, Celtic have shown no evidence that we are willing to pull away in any situation, especially considering we should have done it multiple times in the last decade and a half, but but we haven't done. So, um, but yeah, I think we just need to try and focus on taking it a game at a time and, and being very kind of deliberate and and sort of, you know, very careful about what we're doing because if we think too far ahead and we catastrophize too much then we forget to focus on the on the here and now and actually actually getting the results we want to get the results that we need um saying all that i did want to look at the the next few fixtures because i do think we've got a bit of a difficult run coming up celtic ross county obviously at home which is great but then we're away at patodry we're away um at Easter Road um, in Edinburgh. Uh, we've then got an away tie again um, against St Mirren in the Scottish Cup and we're not back at home until the 17th of February. So that is, uh, let me just see, after the Ross County game, it's one, two, three away games in a row. And that's where we could maybe slip up a little bit. Thankfully, none of them are on plastic pitches. We're not playing a Kilmarnock or a... Or a Livingston or anybody like that so so there's there's a certain amount of relief to be had in that but 
we do need to be careful because um, it could potentially, you know, by the time we get to the Kilmarnock game on the 17th of February, our season might be looking an awful lot different to what it is now, especially if, I don't know what Rangers' um, fixture list looks like or when they are actually going to catch up in terms of that game in hand, but we don't have room to slip up at the moment. We don't have room to uh, to let them any more back into it than we already have. And we have let them back into it. We have. People say we haven't and we've still got the strength and we've still got this and got that. And to an extent, I believe that. I was talking earlier about how I didn't believe Matt O'Reilly was the be-all and end-all for our league aspirations. But at the same time, I think we need to be realistic about the fact that we have let Rangers back into what can now be considered to be a title race and we need to be aware of that because it's going to be it's going to be a tight run, I think. And especially when they they look as if they're trying to push the boat out. I don't know where they're getting the money from, but they do look as if they're trying to make signings and trying to make a fist of this, maybe betting their last penny on, on this £60 million gamble. And and we need to try and think about doing the same thing, really, because if we don't, then then we're going to be in bother. I have to I have to say that I'm concerned about that. Let me know what you think about our title chances. Let me know what you think about that run of games coming up against the likes of um Ross County, Hibs, Aberdeen. Uh, do you think it's as difficult as I'm saying? I think it is. Do you think? Do you think that we are going to come out of this run of games with a very different looking, um, a very different looking season? It's difficult to tell at this point, but we'll just have to wait and see. With all that said, guys, as I said, it's a little bit of a shorter show today because trying to talk constantly on my own is something that I'm not very used to, but um, something I'm sure I'll, I'll improve at going forward. I thank you very much if you have been watching this. I thank you very much if you're watching it afterwards. Your um, continued engagement and support of the podcast and the circumstances in, in which it has arisen um, are uh, very much appreciated. If there's anybody in the Celtic fan media podcasting space that you would like me to interview, um, then then either let me know because it might be somebody that I'm not aware of or somebody that I hadn't considered would be somebody that people would want to see interviewed. Or alternatively, and perhaps better, let them know, say, you know, I, I watch Laura from Thoughts in the Hoops and I would really like you to sit down with her for an interview because I, I, my best performing videos so far have been interviews with, with Alan Morrison, with with Tony Haggerty and with, with Liam from, from Celtic Down Under and Axom. And I really enjoy getting to know these people better beyond just the simple Celtic supporter level and getting to understand what makes Celtic so special to them. I would really like to to make that a more um, consistent feature of what I do on this channel. And if there's anybody that you would like to, to see me interview with that in mind, then that would be great. Even if it's somebody who's not a Celtic fan, actually. Um, I'm trying to um, sort of expand my knowledge and appreciation of the fan media space in wider Scottish football. I've been listening to podcasts like Red Tinted Glasses and Down the Slope and um, 
uh, and a couple of other ones and and uh, my favorite <laughs> my favorite name actually of any podcast I've heard so far is a Partick Thistle one called Draw Lose or Draw which really did make me laugh um and and it's a really good podcast as well um I'm trying to do that just because although I love Celtic and I love listening to lots of Celtic content it is nice sometimes to just hear what's going on at other clubs and get those other perspectives and that's something that I really want to to do a little bit more in the future and if that leads to you know having guests from those podcasts on here if we're playing them in the Scottish Cup or the league or whatever then that's something I would really enjoy doing in the future so so let me know if there's any other ones that you think would be worth a listen <clears throat> but uh, as I said guys that is um that is going to be it from me for this week have a fantastic weekend whatever you're up to um I hope you get a chance to see Celtic back in league action I'll certainly be trying to watch it um, at some point over the weekend I've got a pretty busy weekend coming up but I will certainly be trying to put the time aside to watch the Celtic game and give you my thoughts on it next week and if you don't hear from me uh, by next week you'll certainly hear from me on Twitter in the meantime so uh, thanks very much and we will see you again at 7pm Celtic part time next Friday this has been Thoughts in the Hoops and my name has been 